Well, hello everyone. Welcome to church. So glad you're here. It's announcement time. It's our announcement video. Love these. You should be excited for church announcements too. It's really the most exciting part. Coming up soon, this upcoming week on February 7th, that'll be Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. That's our next one more youth group meeting. Uh, we invite middle schoolers and high schoolers, 6th through 12th grades, uh, to join us here at the church. We have a blast. We, we play some fun games. Uh, we have music. We, we study the Bible. And there's pizza, so you really can't beat that. So that's going to be this Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Coming up later this month on February 21st is our next family fun night. We set the church up with all of our fun bounce houses and games, and it's a great time. Uh, we really need volunteers to make that event successful, so if you can help us, please sign up on the KVC app. Uh, there's a link in there where you can sign up, and that's going to be a great time. The kids always have fun. It's a great way for us to uh, minister to our community. Also coming up later this month, February 28th at 6.30 p.m. is our next jam night. I like to invite the whole church, anybody can come, uh, musicians uh, also, please bring your instruments. But we get together and we uh, we sing and we play songs uh, together. It's a great time. So bring your instruments, bring your voice. Uh, that's going to be February 28th at 6.30 p.m. I have the songs in the app ready to go. Uh, so click that. That KVC app is super important. Download it right now. Uh, there's all sorts of great groups meeting at the church now. Our men's and women's groups are going strong Tuesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. We'll uh, have some more groups to announce here coming up soon. Uh, yeah, check out that app for more info. And with all that said, here we go. Let's get ready for church. Hey, everybody online? Yeah, that's not working. So I don't think you can hear me. But if you're online, cool. We're going to get started in just a moment. And uh, get your Bibles. Genesis 3 is where we're headed. All right. Good morning, family. It is wonderful to see you all. I can see you. You'll see me in a minute. I'm going to tell you what we'll be attempting to do this morning. If we can get the Holy Spirit moving into the AV stuff. We're going to start things off with communion. Chaplain Doug is going to lead us through that in just a moment. After communion, we'll have our time of worship. And then Pastor Georgina will come up and lead any kids who'd like to join her through a Bible verse. We'll dismiss them off to all their Sunday school classrooms. And then we'll have our time in the Word with Pastor Steve. We're going to be continuing on Kingdom Rebellion. Yeah, Rebellion. We're on part two today. And it's really good. We're going to be digging into a whole bunch of stuff. Like Pastor Steve's like cramming it in there. There's so much to go through. But before we do any of that, let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you come? Lord, we thank you for your presence in this place this morning. We thank you for your willingness to bridge the gap between us. We thank you for your faithfulness in meeting us whenever we ask. This morning, Papa, we are here for you. Not for what we can get out of it. We're here to celebrate you. 
to praise you for what you've done, to declare your good works, to proclaim that you will continue to do them. We're here to bask in your presence because there's no better place to be than in the throne room of the Most High. So as we settle, Lord, we ask you to tune our hearts to yours. Help us to hear you clearly, to see you fully, to love you more dearly. You are so, so good to us, and we love you, and we thank you. And we join with all the churches around the world where your gospel is preached with this collect. Lord God, you know that we are in the midst of so many great dangers and that because of our human weakness, we cannot always stand upright. Grant us such strength and protection that we may be supported in all dangers and carried through all temptations. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Chaplain Doug. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it, saying, This is my body, take and eat in remembrance of me. In the same manner he took the cup. It was the last night of the Passover celebration. The cups of plagues and sanctification had already been poured and celebrated. Jesus takes the third cup, which is the cup of redemption. He said, This is my blood poured out for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. Gathered with his friends that evening, Jesus gives us a lasting ordinance or remembrance, which we call communion, or the Lord's table, or the Lord's supper. He said, from now on, when you get together and partake of this meal, I want you to remember me. And as his friends gathered here today, we too can partake of this meal, the bread and the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord. And we want to remember and give thanks. We want to remember all that Jesus has said and done and promised to do. We want to remember his willingness to go to the cross on our behalf. We want to remember how he defeated death and rose again, and we want to remember with awe and thanksgiving that he's coming back for us soon. So here on the table are the elements of communion, the bread, the cup, the body and blood of the Lord. The table is open to all who believe. So as we worship this morning and you feel led by the Spirit, please come, partake, remember, and give thanks. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chaplain Doug. We're going to start our time of worship now. And I always try to encourage us all to sing out and to lift our voices as we praise the Lord here in this place today. We're going to hopefully see some words on the screens. Y'all are welcome to sit. Stand if you're able. Make way for the King of Heaven.
the song of heaven. Rise up, rise up. Here's the song of heaven. Rise up, rise up.
amazing boys and girls. So happy to see you all. Well, we are learning still from the book of Acts. And if you remember last week, right, the Holy Spirit had come and Peter was able to tell people about Jesus, right? About that amazing love of Jesus and what Jesus did for us. And 3,000 people turned away from their sin and were baptized. Isn't that amazing? Yes. Okay. Well, the church began to grow. The church was established, and every day more and more people were being built, were being added, right? So they ate together. They got together and read scripture, right? They did everything together, and it was amazing. Well, one day, John, Peter and John, they went to the temple to pray, and there they saw this man, right, who was sitting by the temple gate called Beautiful. And every morning, that man's friend would carry him to the temple because he couldn't walk, right? And as people were coming to the temple, he would ask people for money because he could not work and help himself, right? Yeah, so he couldn't work and help himself. And one day, right, when he saw Peter and John, he asked them for money. And Peter and John said to the man, look at us, right? And the man looked at Peter and John, right, thinking he's going to give me something, Right? But instead, Peter said in Acts chapter 3, verse 6, right? I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give you. And he told them this. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. What do you think happened? Yes. Very good. Peter helped him, and the man's feet and his ankle became strong, and he was able to get up and walk, and he was jumping and leaping all around, and he even went inside the temple, right, with Peter and John, and was praising God for what had happened. And the people that knew him as someone who couldn't walk, they were amazed at what had happened to him. Isn't that amazing, boys and girls? With the power of Jesus' name, Peter was able to help a man walk. 
Can you believe that? Right? Yes. Peter and John showed us God's power, right? And points us to a greater spiritual healing found in Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? Yes. All right. Are you guys ready to say the Bible verse with me? Okay. Repeat after me. Acts 3, 6. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold. But what I do have, good job, I give you in the name of Jesus of Na- Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. Amazing. Good job. Good job, you guys. Awesome. Hey, can you help me sing happy birthday? Where'd he go? My friend David was sitting right up front. And where'd you Where go, are David? You, David? Are you in here somewhere? Dupree. We'll hunt you down. David. Woo-hoo! There he is. David Dupree. So I got all stories. I got lots of stories I could tell you about me and David doing ministry <laughs> doing ministry 30 years ago. Tell us one. Coffee shops and real quick one before they sing. This is a good story. David is an excellent musician, far better than Oliver Bue. But I play guitar. I used to be kind of a hacker. And we were doing this coffee shop thing down in Key West pretty regularly. And we'd be playing along, doing worship. And I would hit a lot of bad notes. And every time I did, I'd look at David like it was his fault. <laughs> and he was so gracious, he let me get away with yeah. that. Like, he'd act like, yeah, okay. So, I, well, what can you do? So what we're going to do is sing you happy birthday. Yes, yeah. we are. So here, here we, we go. go. You guys ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear David. Happy birthday to you. All right, Pastor Georgina is going to pray for the children, and then they can uh, head out to Children's Church. All right, that sounds good. Okay, boys and girls, let's close our eyes and bow our heads and think about the Lord Almighty, okay? Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this day, Lord God. No matter what happens, Lord God, we know that you are covering us, Lord. And I pray that the little ones will understand the power that is in the name of Jesus, Lord. And that at all times and always, they will call out to you. And you will help them. In Jesus' name, what do we say? Amen. Thank you, Pastor Georgina. Great lesson, guys. Have fun. Enjoy the snacks. Everybody needs a little snack. Snack. It's a... Good song choices today because there was rain in them. and it's right? Let it rain. It is so good to be in here right now. Amen. And all your plants are getting watered. Yes. My dog is at home freaking out somewhere. Yeah, what can you do? Just pray for her. Yeah. Welcome to the vineyard. So glad to have you with us today. Welcome to those of you joining us online. Happy to be with you. Uh, on a not very nice day here. Hope it's nice where you are. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we can't complain, right? We get lots and lots of good weather. Amen. So a little rain is okay. If uh, 
you're sitting here in church, you can see on the screens a QR code that just popped up. That will take you to some very helpful links, useful links. Uh, the Digital Connect card is there. The uh, fill-in notes are there. The listening assistance is there. The translation system, we do translate this service and next service into 30 different languages, all there for you. Um, so just hit the link. And if you can't get to that on your app, you should have the app by now. It says useful links. Go there and get those. I did want to say before we pray for our neighbors mm-hmm. that... Uh, Let's see, real quick. The women's group starts back up Tuesday. We have a family fun night coming up a couple weeks. We need volunteers. And for the last, I don't know, 10, 12 years, this time of year, we do a thing called One More Offering. It's a special offering. And uh, I I think now it's funny because One More is our mission. So it makes sense regard to mission. But uh, people that don't know our mission, we go, One More? You said that last year. And... uh, (laughs) It's just because people ask me, particularly this time of year that might not be here all year long, is there something that we could contribute towards that would make a difference and that you would like to see money going towards? So we put together, this year it's four things. They're on a video, on the app it says one more 2024, on the website one more. Please, all I'd ask you to do, go watch a video and if you feel led to partner with any of those things, great. Okay? And if not, Amen. just pray. Yeah. We're, we're very happy with the prayers. Okay. That said, let's... Uh, Pray for our neighbors. We want you to be praying for the people who live around you every day. So when we gather corporately, we do it together. So think about a couple of your neighbors. Let's go to the Lord. Papa, we lift up our neighbors to you. We ask God that you would move in their lives in mighty, mighty ways. Draw those who don't know you into relationship with you. Help us, God, to be good neighbors, to love our neighbors well. Bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area that hundreds and thousands of people will come to know you as their Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right. Series we're doing now is called Kingdom Rebellion. This is going to be a deep look into Genesis chapters 3 through 11. Our last series, Kingdom Revealed, Genesis 1 and 2, sets us up for this one. Last week I did an overview. The three big rebellions in Genesis 3 through 11 are the fall, the flood, and the Tower of Babel. So now we're going to go back. Today we're going to look at the fall. But besides just the three rebellions, there's a lot of things that happened in some of the other chapters. We're going to weave all that together, hopefully, in this series. But today we'll focus on the fall and the consequences of the fall. I like to call the fall out. Mm, And then we'll be back in. It's funnier when it comes up later, maybe. (laughs) I don't know. So, I I want to do the bad joke. Yeah. And this is a themed bad joke. This is actually a Genesis 3 joke. Mm. So, get ready. So, a pastor wants to go and visit uh, one of his parishioners at their home. And uh, he gets there. And why it seems obvious that someone's there in the house... Nobody answers the door as he continues to knock and knock. So finally, he, uh, he takes out a business card that he has and, uh, that, so they know it's him and that he was there and he writes uh, just the address, Revelation 3.20 on the card and he leaves it there. And if you were to go and look that up, you'd find out that what that says is, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. It's kind of funny, right? Well, he leaves and then the weekend happens and uh, the, they take the offering up, and after they process the offering later on in the week, they put the business card that was in the offering on the pastor's desk. Somebody had brought it back, and so the pastor sees it, and he can see that what they've added to his Revelation 3.20 is another little uh, reference, scripture reference, says Genesis 3.10. And so he opens his Bible, and he looks it up, and this is what it said. I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid. 
because I was naked, so I hid. It was a long joke, but worth it in yeah, the it was end. A long joke. But see, I, I do bad jokes, so I'm going to leave them on this one. Oh, because otherwise, they're going to think it's something else. I heard that Neil Diamond mm-hmm. was originally Neil Charcoal, but the pressure got to him. The pressure got to him. The pressure got to him. Thank you, dear. Very good. <laughs> She's telling me to be dumb with uh-huh. jokes. Yeah. Please, <laughs> lead Excellent. us in the reading of the word. Pray for us. Thank I will. you. I will. All right, let's refocus. Mm, thank you, Lord. Papa, we're so grateful for your presence here with us this morning. Truly, Lord, as you swept through the room, there were many that were healed. I just seal that in them now in Jesus' name. We've heard of your renown, Lord, and we know of your great deeds. And we ask, Papa, that as we stand on your faithfulness, your goodness would pass before our eyes. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with me, please, for the reading of the word? The text today is out of Genesis chapter 3, beginning at verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. And then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and so I ate. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Y'all can be seated. All right. So Genesis 3 is going to uh, begin the series of events that just mess up God's ideal. And we spent time in Genesis 1 and 2, and we saw the ideal that God had put there, right? It was a heaven and earth connection. It was a mountain temple. It was a beautiful garden. Everything was there for them. Uh, the rivers flowed out of it, rivers of life. Uh, God had made us to image him and, and uh, to reflect him, and he'd put us together in a wonderful and amazing way. And when we finish Genesis 2, everything is really good. Every, there's no every, good, 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 very good. And there was a not a good for a little bit in Genesis 2. And remember what God does. That's with man being alone. He takes the one and he takes a side of the man, not just a rib, a side. And he makes two. And they're to, uh, they complete one another. And they're to partner together and co-rule on the planet. And uh, uh, so it was, there was one and there need, and so he made two, but they were one flesh uh, in relationship. And when we finished Genesis 2, this didn't make the... Uh, notes, but I want it there. The last verse in Genesis 2 is a hinge verse that takes us to Genesis 3. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. 
And so this is just a, a picture. The idea of, of being naked was, wasn't so much about not having clothes. It was that there were no problems. There were no issues. They completely trusted one another. They completely trusted God. There were no problems anywhere. There was no shame. There was nothing. It was just ideal. It was, you know, God would show up in the middle of the day and they all hung out and if they wanted to eat, food was right. Everything was good, perfect. And that's the story that we have as we finish Genesis 2. Eight verses from now, all of that's going to change. But let's start with what we know as the fall. Uh, Another way to think of the fall, I've been thinking lately, you could also call it the fail. Because it's a failure of humankind at the time. And also of the Elohim that are going to go their own direction instead of following God. And it all sets up here in Genesis 3 as we read the story. Let's start at verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. So let me just take a moment about the serpent. Yes. Uh, I think a lot of people, as they read the Bible, they read through this and they get to a talking snake and they're like, okay, this is a silly book. And maybe they stop reading or they've never understood it or what's the deal with a talking snake. Uh, I want to tell you a couple of things. The Bible is written in a way so that the more you read it, the more is revealed. And that it's designed that way because it's designed by God for you to hang out with day and night and to talk about with your friends and more and more things are revealed as you go. So even if you read Genesis chapters 1 through 11, which we're working on now, um, as we talk about things, when you're finished, if you go back and start at Genesis 1, you're going to understand more than you did the first time through and the second time through and the tenth time through. I don't know how many times I've read it, but just hanging out in Genesis 3 this week, I, I can't even tell you how many things I, I didn't know that I, I saw in the scripture. I tried to do all of them last night and it didn't work. I ran out of time. So I'm not doing that. It's fascinating in the way it's written. And so we have to understand that about the Bible in the way it's written. And the Hebrew writers, they wrote differently than we're used to. And so many books that we read now, the characters are developed before you get into the story. And here you get into the story and then the characters are developed. It's just different. And so we have to sort of Hang on to that. I was, I told the other group, like, you know, English is a hard language to read and learn and understand. It's not for us, for most of us, because we got it, but it's hard. But we have rules for things, like, like this, uh, I before E, except after C. Do you all know that? But if you can, in your mind, think about the word that I'm about to tell you, let me tell you that science disproves that. (laughs) S C I E N C E. That's funnier if you don't get it, never mind. So the serpent was more, more than a talking snake. This is actually either disguised as a snake, but more than likely we find out as the story is revealed. This is one of those heavenly beings, much like the cherubim that are going to be at the end of the story, who are on the good side. This is a one that decides to go his own way, and he's doing what I'm, we talked about last week. He's trying to trap humanity so that God gets rid of his human family. He's gonna, that's what he's setting up. It's a temptation. They'll fail the test. And the hope is that God will do them because they don't, parts of the uh, heavenly family don't want the earthly family. That's the issue. And so the serpent appears, one of these beings, and he's talking, so it's not unusual. They probably had encounters with these heavenly beings in the garden, so it's not a big deal. Um, did God really say, is what the enemy says, you must not eat from any tree in the garden. And, uh, Something the enemy does, we're going to talk about temptation in a minute. He's always twisting the word just a little bit. That's not what God said. The, in fact, we looked at the divine command in detail. What God said is everything in the garden is yours. Everything. I give you all of it except for this one tree. 
And we've taken time to define those trees, so I'm not going to do it right now, but, but that's what happens. Did God say that? And the woman gets it. She goes, uh, we may eat from the trees in the garden. She heard the divine command. But God did say, you must not eat from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. Remember, you have the tree of life. Right next to it is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And she said, you must not touch it or you will die. We don't see that in the story, but maybe they've added that just to stay, you know, don't even touch that tree. That's how far you should stay away from it. And the serpent said, no, you, you won't certainly die. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. I said this last week, it's worth repeating. Temptation has this flavor to it too, that that... The temptation was you'll be like God. The irony is they already were like God. They were created in the image of God. He gave them many of his characters and qualities. And there were so many things that were like God. They weren't God, but they were already like God. In so many ways. Partnering together with God to rule the planet. And so it's an empty temptation. But those are the ones that we almost always fall for. Like somehow we can have it now when we want it instead of waiting for God and trusting in God. That's at the heart of temptation over and over and over again. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her. Adam's right there. It's always been written that way. He was right there. They do this together. She gave some. He was with her and he ate it. And then, in fact, the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked And so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. All of a sudden, so remember the end of Genesis 2, naked and no shame. Everything is really perfect and awesome and ideal. They do what they're not supposed to do. They decide to define for themselves good and evil. That's at the heart of sin. And suddenly, like it's big rush, all of their relationships are changed in a moment. And now they, they, they realize they're naked and they try, they try to make clothes for themselves out of leaves, which doesn't go very well. God's going to fix that later on. That's their attempt. Um, and who are they hiding from at that moment? From each other. Because they, they trust. There was nothing, no issues. And now all of a sudden there's shame and, and they don't trust and they're hiding their bodies. They're, everything is changed. And you need to see that picture. It's totally messed up what God put in place in God's ideal relationally, where together they would co-rule and partner together. And now from that moment on, everything is different. You need to know from the time of the fall throughout the rest of the story until we get Jesus back on the scene, God is dealing with what is instead of his ideal. This is the, the things that I'm about to read you in the cut. That's not God's ideal. We saw God's ideal in one and one and two. This is the fallout and the consequences of what happened. So now they're hiding amongst themselves. Their relationship is completely changed. Uh, shame has entered. That's why they're hiding and uh, all these things. Now I want to quickly do a little sidestep here and talk about temptation. And this would sort of be the practical takeaway for today, uh, which I think is important. Um, because temptation is a real thing, and we face temptations in the world. That's what we do, all right? And uh, interestingly, that temptation, the enemy has been so successful with the way he uses temptation, he hasn't changed it. Because throughout history, it works. The tactics work, except on Jesus. They work over and over and over again. So he doesn't need to change them, because we bite when we shouldn't, all right? And the, the things that he does during a temptation, and I want you to know this, are he'll twist the word to make it sound like it says something it doesn't or add to it or subtract from it. He'll do something like that. And then he hits you in one of three ways. 
And, and uh, these three ways are this, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Over, 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 and over, and over. This is what happens. This is what comes in at you. Uh, you know, I, I love the Apostle John. He's one of my favorites because he gets this stuff. He helps us in so many ways. And he makes sure that we know that this is what it looks like. First John 2.16, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father but from the world and the little g-god of this world. And so he tosses these things at us. Look for it in, in Genesis 3. You can see that the, the, it was good for food. That's, remember, she saw that? That's the lust of the flesh. The, pleasing to the eyes. That's the lust of the eyes. And then, you know, gain wisdom. Be like God. That's the pride of life. You, you don't have to wait for God. You can be like God. And they fall for it. And everything changes. Let me tell you that if you get a chance to do homework this week, I want you to read Luke chapter 4, the first 12 verses or so. And you're going to see another temptation story. And this time it's the evil one in Jesus. And you're going to see the same things in play, but a different outcome because Jesus knows how to stand in it. And if you look at the story, you'll see, if you in your mind sort of get to it, that the first thing the enemy does is, is Jesus is hungry. He's been fasting for 40 days. You know the evil one knows your weaknesses, right? He's tuned in. And so Jesus was hungry. So he went in and he says, um, turn these stones to bread. And he twists the word as he says it. And Jesus responds, man doesn't live on bread alone. He, he gets the word right, and, but that's the lust of the flesh. And then the enemy takes him up to a high place and shows him, it says, everything. And he says, all this can be yours. And in fact, at the time, the enemy could give it to Jesus. But if Jesus doesn't get it the way that he's supposed to, we don't get rescued. He offers him a shortcut, and praise God, Jesus doesn't take it, because he does what needs to happen for us. But that's the lust of the eyes. You, here it is. And then finally, in this, this uh, it's just this, the enemy is so crafty in the things that he does. Uh, he says to Jesus, if you are the Son of God. You see how much like that is? You can be like God. You, if you are the Son of God. Well, Jesus was... He doesn't, it wasn't, it didn't work on Jesus. Fortunately, he gets it and he responds back and he doesn't give into it. And that's what we need to understand. You need to be aware that the evil one uses these tactics over and over and over again. And that now, as believers in Christ with Holy Spirit, you can absolutely have the power to move through them and that God always provides a way out. I love this. One of my favorite verses. This is Paul. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will always provide a way out so that you can endure it. See, this always, there is, when you're being tempted, I promise you there's a way out. You might ignore it. You might not be looking for it. You might choose not to follow it. But there is always a way out. And you're always getting buttered up by the enemy trying to get you to twist the word. What did God really, doesn't God want you to be happy? I hear that one all the time. Yes, but not in your way, his way, in his timing in the things that he wants to do. And yet we keep wanting to define good and evil for ourselves, and that's the problem. Quickly about this verse. This verse often gets taken out of context. Think about it. And, and in, in a well-meaning way, but the, the theology doesn't stand up. When, when Sometimes when people are going through really lots of difficult situations, we will sometimes say that what we think this verse says is God won't give you more than you can handle. But this verse is about temptation. It's not just about life in general. It's about when you're tempted, he's got you because he's going to provide a way out. I would suggest that you think about this. Um, 
life apart from God is more than any of us can handle. And that we don't need to feel like, you know, it's, it's not that, that he's going to help you with temptation. You can't do life without God. I was in last couple of weeks, I was reading Exodus a couple of weeks ago. And I love this thing about Moses where God goes to Moses in a burning bush. And he's, so Moses sees God and, and then God says, Hey, go and deal with Pharaoh. And what does Moses respond? Yeah, I've seen God in a bush. Here I go. No. God, that's more than I can handle. Nope. Not doing it. Nope. Need my brother. Nope. And, and there's all these things. And this is Moses who's going to... But it's more than you can handle apart from God. Life is set up that way. So, so understand that when you're going, you need God's help and you need to trust Him. But in the temptation, God will always provide a way out. Back to our story because I'm already running out of time. The consequences, the fallout of the fall. And we'll just work through this a verse at a time as we go. The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So they were hiding already from one another. Their damage, their relationship damaged. And now their relationship with God is damaged. So they feel like he's always, when he's come before, they've always, can you, God used to walk and they walked, yay, God. Now they hide from, they're hiding from God because of their failure. But the Lord God called to them, to the man, where are you? God knows where they are. Let me suggest something here, is that, this is my picture of this, is that God saying that, is, is God calling back his kids, and that God always pursues us, even after we've messed up, and invites us to come out of hiding. It's a, he's setting the pattern here. Because when you come out of hiding, things get in the light, and that's where the grace and the mercy and everything are. And so it's a constant. He's, so he's, he's just calling him back. Uh, and uh, the, the, he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Now, God knows what he's done. God's, and he hits him with this question. And I think this displays the heart of God. There's God... God wants us to move back towards Him in relationship even when we failed. Uh, the correct answer to this question for the man was, yep. Yeah, I did it. That's, do you get that's, you know, that's a, the, the word confess in the Bible, in the Greek, the, the Greek word that's for, is a compound word, homo logeo, which means same word. What it means is, God, you were right and I was wrong. Your word is right. You're always right. I, so I should have just listened to you. But that's not what Adam does. What does Adam do? What most of us do. The woman! Not just a woman. You! The woman you put here with me. It's not my fault. Her fault? Your fault, God? Not me. You laugh because you get that, right? We call that around our house the Adamic proclivity. Blame shift. It's raining. You ain't going anywhere. I'm pressing on. You know, I, so I read through the Bible. There's guys like King David who the Bible says is a man after God's own heart. I go, what? Because he was, he was an adulterer and a murderer. and I, I mean, he wiped out whole... He was, they had a lot of issues. Do you know why I think that he gets that call? It's because when he is confronted by the prophet with his sin, you know what David says? Yeah, I did that. I think that's, I think that's just the heart of everything. 
This is what God, because now you can be restored in relationship. Now you're, you're not hiding away from God. You're, boom, there you go. Yeah, I did that. What a change that would be for most of us. Scary change, but still. Did you? Yeah, I did. You were right, God. I wasn't. Tried to define good and evil for myself. The Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? Yeah, I did it. No, the serpent. She ran out of people to blame. Wasn't Adam? Couldn't blame the serpent. Was a serpent? So now God's going to bring some consequences. First one is to the the serpent, the the the, the little e Elohim who decide to go their own way. Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You'll crawl on your belly and you'll eat dust all the days of your life. If it was just a snake, they already crawled on their bellies. What's a, what's a curse all about that? It's the, it's the position of some of these heavenly beings that decide to go in their own way. And now, boom, they're face planted. I mean, that's, that's the position of how they end up, eating dust, all right? That's the curse on them. And then I'm going to come back to this verse in just a minute, I promise. This, this is such a crucial verse, Genesis 3.15. I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He'll crush your head. You'll strike his heel. Let me come back to that. That's the beginning of the crimson thread of redemption. Very important. But let me go on. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you'll give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. And... So here's something you need to think about, if you would, that the, the word that's used here for, and, and they somehow get painful labor out of it, the, the, every other place in the Old Testament when they're talking about labor pain, they use a different word. And they decided to go here at some point, the translators, I would suggest to you that it's, it's actually in connection with the same thing that, that's going to happen to Adam. Uh, this is a emotional pain. This is the thing that you had a situation where your relationships were perfect and your kids and everybody was going to get along and everything was going to go well. You wouldn't have to worry about it. You wouldn't have to do any of those things. And now suddenly all of that's changed. And as a, as a mama, the, you're going to just worry over your kids now and their kids and on and on. And it's an emotional pain because of how it should be and how it's not. And that this is a big deal. And the whole desire thing there, it's this, they were, they were made to co-rule and now it's going to change. And instead of being this connection and this partnership and this completing, now it's going to be competition and conflict. And they're not one the way they were intended. That's the fallout that happens to the women. To the man, to Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Let me quickly say, what's cursed in here? And there's two things that are cursed. You need to catch this. One is the serpent. One is the ground. It is not Adam and Eve that are cursed. They're consequenced. Don't get me wrong. But not cursed. Because God never gives up on his family, his people. And there's always a way back. It's not a curse. It's different. You need to read it. There's something going on there, right? Through painful toil. And this is that same kind of pain that was in, uh, with, the, with the woman. You'll eat from it. All the days of your life. See, it used to be you would just, if you were hungry, it was there. You didn't have to. Now everything is going to be different. It's going to produce thorns and thistles. You'll eat the plants from the field. By the sweat of your brow, uh, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Uh, since from it you were taken. From dust you are, to dust you will return. So let me get back to the crimson thread of redemption real quick. I'm going to close. And, uh, and we're going to dig more into some of this. I, I thought I would get more of this done than I did. This, and <laughs> We'll pick it up here. Why is this such an important verse? Genesis 3.15. I will put enmity, 
conflict between you and the woman he's talking to the serpent and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. This is uh, definitely a picture of what's going to happen at the cross. And there at the cross, Jesus is going to come and ultimately defeat the enemy. And he's an offspring. He's one of the offspring of this woman's side, right? And he's going to defeat the enemy, uh, even though the enemy gets his heel. And by that, there's suffering involved with Jesus, right? Jesus suffers and dies. But he defeats death and sin and rises again. That's the gospel, and that's a big deal. And that's all in fulfillment of this. But there's something here that I want you to look at this week. It's the offspring. Your offspring and hers. Uh, what is that all about? And what this does at Genesis 3.15 is that it sets up the whole rest of the story because the rest of the story figures out who the offspring is. That's what the whole story is going to do. It's going to figure out what, who we're dealing with here because they don't know. They don't know what's coming, right? And they have to look and, and trust and see uh, and, and what's going to happen. And they look for every, basically every time they have a child, they're thinking, is this the offspring that's going to defeat this mess? And this happens. And if you ever wonder why there's so many genealogies in the Bible, like, why is this here? They're tracking offspring. It was important to the writers. Let me just give you this. I'm almost done, I promise. Let me give you this to think about. Ultimately, the big decision is, this is the conflict that's going on between the enemy and between people, in effect. And you get to choose which offspring you're going to be. You may have never thought of that. But Jesus is going to make a way for us to get into the right part of this whole thing. Look what my buddy John said. My buddy John, the apostle. I'm not going to be cool enough for John. But I could, I could hang out. I said to the other group, it's going to be like, if you've ever gone to a conference and you were a little bit late, and instead of getting into the main room, they put you in an overflow room. It's really disappointing. But it's better than nothing, I guess. I don't know why I think that. Look at what John says. Because this makes sense. Come on, Steve. Use your fingers. First, uh, John, chapter 1. Verse 10. He was in the world, Jesus. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Offspring of the woman on the right side of this whole battle. That's what happens. Children born, listen, not of natural descent. You, you might, it's not, it might not be your lineage, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Ministry team, those of you, come on up. I'm, I'm going to finish because I, I need to finish. We'll get into it more next week. Think about that this week. All of this starts your way into the story. Your, what I just read, what Jesus did on the cross for us in defeating sin and death. To get in, you just say yes to Jesus. Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? Romans 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead you will be saved if you've never done it please do it right now please don't don't wait any longer Jesus will you be my Lord and Savior it's the beginning of everything for you Amen if you need prayer for anything this morning our prayer team is waiting to pray for you financial emotional spiritual whatever it might be also this morning the Lord really impressed upon my heart that there's people dealing with anxiety and you wake up 
and you're anxious and it has, it doesn't make sense because everything's okay in your life. But the Lord just wants to, you to be blessed today and have someone pray for you over that and break it. It's, you're going to get some insight into it. Amen. I got Amen. Boys Come on. All right. So, uh, offering, uh, thank you guys so much for your generosity. Appreciate you. And uh, there's lots of different ways that you can partner with us. That may or may make get up there on the screen in a moment, but you know how to do those things. Thank you for being faithful. Uh, in a moment, we're going to open those doors. It is raining out there. When you go out, please go slowly and watch your step and, you know, stay on the carpet so you're not slipping around on the floor. It's All right. heavy. It's pretty heavy. Yeah, yeah, it's raining heavy. That's right. Well, and let's sing the doxology, shall we? Ready? And we'll dismiss. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. the Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. Have a great rest of your day. Drive safe. Uh, I hope your driver wins. Is your driving today? I don't know. Whatever. Teams, drivers. Yeah. Prayer is over there. God bless, guys. Goodbye, everybody. I think our mics are still on, so just do a... Love you guys. Bye-bye.